Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Perhaps some of you will relate. I just feel like sharing this with you, but believe it or not, I've, I've got my, my favorite preachers, and I'm definitely not one of them. I don't go back and listen to my sermons because... <laughs> but I've got my handful of favorite preachers, and, and last year we were able to take a little bit longer vacation uh, at Thanksgiving, and, and I was excited because we made room in our, our schedule, our travel schedule, to, to visit the church of perhaps my favorite preacher. And um, I was excited because this is a, it's a booming church, and uh, an anointed man of God, and I was so excited to get there and to experience this powerful church. And so we showed up on a Wednesday night and, uh, and we were greeted. And, and uh, you know, sometimes God just has a subtle way of showing you something, giving you some instruction, tweaking a little thing here or there. And, and, and what I needed tweaking was, and I'll just be honest with you, I, you know, I, I want to come into the house of God and I want every service to be just a, a, a powerful sweeping move of God where everyone's slain in the spirit and, and everyone leaves perfectly changed and, and we go out and win the world. And isn't that what everyone really, really wants? Or am I the only one? <laughs> and I was so excited because, boy, I'm going to learn some things and see some things and, and I'm going to be able to take some nuggets of, of how to do things right back from this place and 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 what we sing like two songs and never even got into that place that 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 sweet note of worship and right into the teaching of the word and I was so disappointed because it just happened that night that the man wasn't speaking <laughs> it was someone else I'm like oh well, thank you, Jesus, and gave a great post-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving sermon, and it was good, it was great, it was really good, and went ahead and finished up and dismissed, and there was never even an altar call, and I'm just like, what was that, God? <laughs> and, and, you know, I really do believe that God touched a great many people that night, but I know he wanted to show me something. Because it doesn't, it doesn't always need to happen my way, and that's a good thing. Because <laughs> God's got something else in mind, and it's much better than anything I could ever plan or hope for. And, and I really learned something from that. You know, it's not always going to, God's going to move how God needs to move. He knows, right? He knows better than we could ever know. And, and I just kind of even feel that a little bit tonight. And, and it gives me peace. It gives me peace. God's going to give some instruction. God's going to feed us tonight. And God's going to grow us tonight. I'm certain of it. But don't get disappointed when we don't see what we want to see. And so, without even realizing it, my first note of three is that God doesn't choose sides. All right? Let's get into the word, shall we? Joshua chapter 6 and verse 13. 
I, I just felt like sharing that story because I just, I just feel a peace. And that's all right. So Joshua 6, verse 13 and 14. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, are are you ready for it? Joshua asks him, art thou for us or for our adversaries? Are, Are you for us or are you for them? And the response, verse 14, and he said, no, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And I feel like we've got to read that a certain way. Neither, but as captain of the army of the Lord, I'm here. And what I get from this, what we get from this is God does not choose sides. God is sovereign in all his ways. He knows the beginning from the end. And, oh, hear me tonight. No matter what it may be, God's not going to pick this side or pick that side. God is what God is. God is who he is. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love the response of Joshua. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servants? Now we know what Joshua says at the end of his life, but we see it being displayed right here. Okay, so you're not necessarily just automatically on our side, and you're not taking sides with them. What do I got to do to be on your side? You see, it's not that God has a side. It's what are you going to do, God? God hmm, is immutable and unchangeable. And we're going to talk a little bit about his, his will tonight. And, and discerning that will, just a, a little bit, we'll get into it. And it will not be exhaustive, but we're going to touch a, a few things. And, and the first thing we need to understand is, is not about, when we're seeking God's will, it's not about God choosing sides. We can line up with what is God's will. All right? I've heard it described this way, and I'll just share it with you. It's, it's someone who spoke into my life in the last couple of years, and, and I was in a, a time of, of, of need and, and, and seeking, and, and uh, an elderly pastor at the time told me, Rob, there is what is God's will and what God's will is. And it's kind of a play on words. And, and once again, this is just something someone spoke into my life. So I'm not preaching this as, as doctrine or anything like that. But, but just ponder it for a second. There is what is the will of God does not change. And, and we can go to the word for that and we'll see that. And I promise you by the end of, uh, of this sermon tonight, we'll see what the will of God is for you and what it is for me. And it doesn't change. The beautiful thing about that is, All we got to do is go to his word, and then it's just like Joshua. Okay, well, what must I do? What what do I need to do to line up with what 
your will is, what you're going to do right here, right now. Obviously, this angel was here for war. He was the captain of the host of the army of God. And so it would do us well to be on the winning side, right? Anyone read the back of the book? He wins. Uh, We can win, but we will do well to line up with his will. And then there's the other side where he's saying, well, what, what is the will of God and what the will of God is? And, and what this old, this old man of God was telling me was, you know, there are some things like when you're seeking personal direction in your life and, and what, it, you know, what God is personally willing for you. And, and, and I want to talk about these things because we need to think about these things. Amen? There are some things that are absolute with the will of God. You know, what is the will of God for the church? What is the will of God for this church? Those things do not change. You know, but what is the will of God for you to eat for breakfast this morning might be different than what it is tomorrow morning. I I don't know. Maybe Captain Crunch today and uh, not Miranda's will at all. (laughs) But they're, they're, you know, it's okay to ponder these things. I, I would encourage us to ponder these things. Okay. All right, let's go to the next, the next. We'll spend a little bit of time here. 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and I'll come back to it, but while you're turning there, if we were to think of Elijah, and, and one of the big things Elijah said, uh, matter of fact, I'll even open this up. In, in, in Elijah's strugglings, what was one of the big things that he said that was just inaccurate, but he felt and that he was troubled about? I'm all alone. That's exactly it. I, even to the point of, oh, I'm jealous for you, God. <laughs> now, that's a big man to be jealous for God, right? <laughs> I'm jealous for you, God, because I'm the only one. I'm the only one. That is not what the will of God is. What was God's response coming out of that? You know, we got a powerful example. I'm not going to preach about it, but, you know, he's just ripping the mountain apart and, and with all this sound and all this majestic moving of God. And, 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 but the voice of God was in, in the still, small voice. And then what did he tell him to do? He gave him a couple things to do. And one of them was, go find someone to speak into their life. Go find someone to mentor. Right? Go find Elisha and begin to speak into his life. And you better hurry up because you don't got much time left. And, and that was one of the responses in that moment. And so here we have Elisha and, and, and we're going to look a little bit at, at feeling out God's will, discerning God's will, uh, just pondering it, uh, perhaps sort of from a distance. Uh, but Elisha is very, he's versed in what he's doing. You know, if we look back at what Joshua, Joshua was just bringing Israel across the Jordan River, and he was bringing a whole nation of people that were not actively in covenant relationship. 
You go back and read the beginning of, the, of that chapter and, and they had to go ahead and circumcise all the men because they were not, that was part of the sign of the covenant, was it not? And yet they were not actively in covenant with God and so they had to get right and get all... So Joshua was kind of like starting over in some ways. And, and so I don't think Joshua was quite as discerning at that point as perhaps... Elisha is here. And, and I, I know when we look at the great prophets, you know, you, you look in the New Testament and it refers to Elijah. But man, there's something about Elisha. You know, it, he didn't stumble where Elijah did. He, he didn't have those same hang-ups and, and those same hindrances. He didn't struggle with the same issues that Elijah did. Why is that? Because Elijah spoke into Elisha's life it's it's more than just yes we know it's all about the double portion and all that but there's more to it than well i'm going to ask for it that's a hard thing god's going to grant it god set it up and for however amount of time whatever that amount of time was elijah mentored elisha and i'm telling you it's a crucial part of the double portion Think of it. When we have to learn things through the school of hard knocks, when we have to learn things the hard way, which it seems like is human nature, but it does not always got to be that way. And think about it in the spiritual realm. We're talk, ultimately, we're talking about the, the will of God, pondering these things. If we're having to learn from scratch versus having someone who's gone through it, literally speaking into our lives, do you not think you'll be better off? Now, what about the next generation? What about what you leave behind? What about when you're gone? Okay. So with that, is everyone there? Did I give you enough time? <laughs> Where, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, here we go. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. And I'm just going to stop and preach right along the way here. We have an example of what our adversary will do, is trying to do. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't have to. He's warring for your soul and for mine. He's warring, not about our past, he's warring for our future. He doesn't stop. And we have a, a, an example of that here in scripture, just like the Syrians. They're planning and they're scheming. The devil is a planner and a schemer. He's a deceiver. He's good at what he does. I would say he's progressive. The thief cometh for but what? To steal, kill, and destroy. That, that really is a, an incredible example of progression. How in the world do you destroy something that, that's already been killed? And that followed, the killing follows something that was stolen. Well, if he steals your hope, steals your life while you're here, he'll keep your soul forever. That's the ultimate destruction. It's progressive. The warning is, 
If he's progressive, oh God, we need to be progressing. We need to be moving forward. We need to be increasing. We need to becoming more aware of things in the spiritual realm. Amen? Such and such a place shall be my camp. But verse 9, And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither, or for here, the Syrians are come down. Now, for some reason, I always had it in my mind that all the king did in response was avoided this place. But I've read it this way and that way, forward and backwards, upside down in multiple versions, even got out the Matthew Henry, and it didn't help. I'm not seeing that all the king did was avoided, but I would say he did start. He started by avoiding it, but then he addressed it. The king of Israel sent to that place in verse 10, which the man of God told him and warned him of. So first thing he did, he didn't just go there. He checked himself. And what I got to say here, I got to point this out. Thank God for godly men. Thank you, Jesus, for a man of God. A pattern we're seeing, and I got to point it out. God puts men of God in our lives. God, thank you, Jesus, for it. And we will never, we cannot go wrong. Hear me here. We cannot go wrong applying the principles of the word of God. God has put a man of God in our life for a reason. Listen to the man of God. Listen to the man of God. To honor God. You won't honor God if you don't honor the man of God. Trust God. God's got this. Amen. It's in the word. And it's the, one of the first things I got to point out. So the king, first of all, checks and then he addresses it. It looks to me that what he actually did was prepared, sent there, and the king of Assyria could not make his place there. And all of this came about, why? Because someone was sensitive to God. Someone was able to determine the will of God. And that was the man of God. This didn't happen in verse 10 once or even twice, this happened again and again. You, you know, God knows everything. He sees everything. Uh, we were in Bible study last night and we were going over the, the life of Joseph. And, and it's just amazing. You know, what was it, like 20 years from the beginning of, of, of the, first, the first dream until the fulfillment of that? 22 years perhaps? It was a long time. Why? Have you ever pondered why? Why, God, do, am I right here right now? Why, why do we have to go through some things? Why do we find ourselves in a pit? Well, 
Maybe so God can bring us out of the pit. What, just to put us into slavery? Well, then he lifts you and raises you out of slavery. What? To make you a slave in prison? It's getting worse. Also that God could elevate you to number two in the kingdom. To fulfill the promise. And and, and I'm thankful that it's in the word of God because I really do believe that none of us are going to experience this exact plot. It's in here for our example already. And I really do believe that even if it's just one day we're up and the next day we're down, it's so that we can remember, you know what, some bad things may just be happening a little bit once in a while because it's setting something else up in motion. We, we don't know, but God does. And, and God is working behind the scenes. Oh, hear me right now. He's working behind the scenes where we cannot see, where we do not know, where we cannot perceive. But he does. He knew what was going on. The man of God knew what was going on in the bedroom of the king of Syria. Why? Because God knew. Because nothing is hidden from God's sight. And, and it's not a matter of God being for us. I, I know his grace and all that is. But you know what? It is a matter of just lining up and staying true to his word, his principles, and his promises. Why? Because he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And just be faithful in it. Hmm. Not once or twice, but three times this happened. Verse 11, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Which one of you is the spy? Is it you, Naaman? (laughs) Maybe it's not in there, but that's all right. He was probably there. For sure intimate with the man of God. (laughs) If anyone would know, it would have been Naaman. Who is it? Why are you holding this from me? Who's working against us? And one of his servants said, No one, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. I want to mention here, there's two parts of this. The king of Israel is listening hmm, at face value to the warning. But we also know, because this is Wednesday night, we also know that the kings of Israel, after the kingdom was divided, never served God. And so what you have here, and you know where we're going now, is the king of Israel never heeded the word of the man of God regarding the issues of his heart. But he did regard it when it came to the natural realm. And and I don't even, I think this this one is self-explanatory. I don't need to spend a lot of time there. But listen, this is a spiritual thing. And what we see in the natural is only skin deep. It's only so real. What is real and what is eternal are the things we cannot see and what God is doing. And so I want to encourage us here tonight, don't settle for where we're at only seeing things in the natural. Don't settle for just, you know, accepting things as they are, but ponder what is the will of God. 
Don't worry about what the will of God is for the church. That's already set in motion. But what is God wanting you to do? What is he wanting you to touch? Who is he wanting you to speak into and to reach for? I'll ask, has anyone besides me wondered, what, what is God's will for my life? I, I wonder, you can raise your hands if you want to. You don't have to, that's fine. If it is embarrassing to admit that, <laughs> that's okay. I don't want to put you on the spot. I'll raise both hands, I'm sure. I love church. I love this. God is so good. God is so good. You, you, you know, let me just brag on Jesus for a second. Everything good in my life, everything, I, I, can, I can draw direct links right back to the church. Right back to the kingdom of God. Right back to the family of God. Everything good in my life. Oh, my word, everything good in my life. Thank you, Jesus. I, I love church. I love Jesus. I love, I love the body of Christ. Okay. The prophet. He knows what's going on even in your bedchamber. And he said in verse 13, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dotham. Therefore, send he thither horses and chariots and a great host that came by night and compassed the city about. Now, here we go. Verse 15. If I lost you for a second, let me have you back for a second right here. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and this is a pattern we see over and over and over again in Scripture. It was the same thing with Joshua. He rose up early. When it's mentioned, he rose up early, I'm telling you, he was in prayer. He was preparing He's gone before. He's prepared something. He's, he, he's learning. He's, he's, he's working on his personal relationship with God, and he's investing into it. He woke up early and had gone forth. And behold, a host compassed, compassed the, the city both with horses and chariots. So he sees the natural, Right? He sees all the horses and the chariots. They are completely surrounded. For some reason, an entire army came for one man. And he finds himself right in the crosshairs. And he's not even the man. And so perhaps we can <laughs> relate to his next question. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master what shall we do? What shall we do? Now, I will remind you, Elijah, once again, for most of his ministry, was alone. Until God corrected it and said, go get Elisha. I will remind you, the story of Naaman has already transpired. And so what was it, Gehazi? is already gone. He's already, he already has leprosy. 
And yet we still see Elisha. We don't, we don't, we, we don't see a break in, 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 in the process. We don't see him breaking off uh, from the pattern. Elisha has got a servant. Now, this is above and beyond the school of the prophets. Because we know that when Elijah set in motion getting Elisha, that the one plus one equals a multitude. Because the very next thing you see is that Elisha, we don't, the scripture doesn't even tell of it happening. It just happens right away. As soon as Elisha comes back across the Jordan River, he stays and tarries there at Jericho until the, the unknowing, untrained, uh, unmentored sons of the prophets come back from looking for Elijah and he starts teaching and training right away. And it's just once again a principle of God's. If we will just grab a hold of someone and start mentoring someone, all of us, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. Have you walked through tight places and uncomfortable spaces in your walk with God? And you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise both of mine. I would raise both feet if I could. Oh my, have I walked through some things. Oh my, has God shown me some things. And if you know where I came from, you know God has brought me a long way. And if you know where I'm at, you know he's got a long way to go yet. But you know what? We've learned some things along the way. And you're doing better than what you think you are. And you have more to impart than you even possibly believe. And the pattern is grab a hold of someone. Because if you'll grab someone and speak into their life and impart your, what you've learned and what you know, one plus one is going to equal a multitude. I'm telling you, it's scriptural, above and beyond even what we're seeing here. It's the way God works. It's his math, right? If one will put a thousand, who told me that just this week? Two will put 10,000 to flight. Oh, I was a different old man of God. That's right, it just came back to my memory. And I know what that's talking about. I know the, con- the, the content or the context that that's in, but it's still God's math. Oh. And so here he is, he's got someone, he's speaking into their life again, and he takes this moment, he takes this opportunity. What shall we do? And he answered, fear not. It's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. Let let me try it right here, right now. It's going to be all right. Don't be afraid. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this. I'm going to show you the process. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than that be with them. And I'll tell you, it's not that God chose sides. It's that the man of God was familiar with the will of God. And the man of God is saying, let me show you and teach you a thing. Let me show you how to be sensitive to the will of God, to operate in this realm. Right now you're seeing through the natural, but wait a second. Oh, oh, help me, Jesus. I I wasn't here Sunday. I missed it. I missed it. I I heard like five minutes of of Sunday school, and and I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm plagiarizing that. So I called my brother and I told him, 
ah, I'm stealing that one. But another different man of God spoke in my life once and said, said something like this. So if, if you take your information from one source, it's called plagiarism. But if you take it from many sources, it's called research. So I'm going to take the Bible too and too bad. <laughs> I'm going to preach it better than you did. I don't know what his points were. I think he spoke of grace or something of that. But the first thing that came into my mind with the look, that's what caught my attention, the look. Because I'd never seen it before, Jacob. And those things jump out at me. That, that's, that's my whole sermon, if you haven't noticed. They jump out at me in the word. And, and Jesus looked at Peter, and in that very moment, and you know what came to my mind when I heard it? Because I wasn't there, so I probably missed the mark. The first thing that came to my mind was, the look was, but I prayed for you. The devil desired to have you, Peter, to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. And I'm sure there was mercy and grace and everything else in there, maybe some disappointment, but I'm also certain, but I prayed for you. I know you're lost. I know you're in a place right now of turmoil, but I prayed for you and the power of prayer. Now, I didn't speak it to steal from my brother, but it fits the pattern. I am the second. <laughs> It's what we do. <laughs> Elisha prayed in verse 17. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And I will tell you there's value in the fact that the servant did at least see the problem in the situation. And I'll tell you, even here tonight, that there are some of us that are at least that far where we can identify the problem. But what I'm telling you is we're not going to stop there. A, we're going to teach someone that's coming behind us. We're going to grab a hold of someone. This is Jesus' principle after all. Go ye therefore and do what I did. Right? I know it's not exactly the way it's worded, but that's what it is, Right? Jesus didn't turn the world upside down in three and a half years. He imparted into 12 men. And some others, but those 12 men. Uh, I guess I'll reach for 12. <laughs> I'm just saying just reach for one. Come on, this is what we're supposed to do. This is for all of us. Amen. Okay, got to move, got to move. He prayed for him. There's power in your prayer. Can I, can I just say, while we're here, it, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but we ought not to feel uncomfortable praying with people. And when we're grabbing someone, and we're teaching someone, and we're imparting into someone, it's going to take investing into them, and you've got something to pour into them. Elisha had something, so do you. Greater things than these, right? We need to get past our, some of our uncomfortableness. We need to push and reach a little bit more. We need to stir ourselves and fan some things in the flame. As Paul spoke to Peter, or to, to Timothy. Fan it in the flame. Stir up that gift that is within you. Oh God, stir up some gifts here tonight, Jesus. Stir it up within us. The power that is sitting dormant in some of us. 
if we could just stir it up in faith. What we could touch and reach and move and stir in the spirit. Oh God, oh Jesus. Hmm. He prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And you know what happened when he spoke that in faith? God opened his eyes and he saw. This is what I'm speaking of. I'm telling you, if you will grab a hold of someone and speak into their life, pray into their life, show them what you know, teach them what you've experienced, God's going to open their eyes. And dare I say, in, I pray it, let there be a double portion on those coming behind. Yeah. You know, I pray everywhere that God would bless us to go, that wherever we go, we bring faith with us, and that the faith rises. But you know what? I pray even more, God, let me impart it into someone else, because I've only got so much time, and when I'm gone, this thing needs to go on if the Lord tarries. There is something heavy on our shoulders. We've been tasked with something. There's a great cloud of witness that's come before us. But we have a responsibility to go ahead and continue this thing and to set it in motion for the future. Yes, amen. Oh, Jesus. Is this all right? Yes. Huh. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Do you realize Elisha saw one chariot and horse of fire? <laughs> and now he's seeing a mountain of them. Elisha asked for a double portion. And in that moment, and it just hit me right now, I'm just pointing out, he got to see one, but when he's passing it on to the next generation, then it, they see a mountain full of the army of the Lord. That's powerful. But they were round about, not Dothan, they were round about, not Samaria, they were round about, not Israel, but round about you. And round about me. Round about Elisha. Because he had this understanding. Verse 18, and when they came down to him, Elisha he wasn't done yet. Just prayer and faith. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves things. Prayer changes things. It doesn't change the will of God, but it lines things up. Somehow, I don't know, I don't have it all dialed in. I just know from what I've experienced and from the word of God that prayer is powerful. Don't stop praying. Increase in it. Explore in it. Dare I say, practice in it. Push past what you're comfortable with. Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. You realize what just happened. And, and this just makes me think of when the spirit is cast out of a man, it has to go somewhere. Elisha had just... Eh, and maybe this is crazy, but whatever. I'm reaching in the spiritual, and if I can inspire anything, I'll go for it. You realize he just removed a spirit of blindness from his servant. And perhaps that blindness needed to go somewhere. And it may just be that Elisha had this understanding in the supernatural. 
and he places the blindness on the Syrian army. Hmm. Verse 19, and Elisha said unto them, this, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. <laughs> and it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, Elisha prayed, just the power of prayer once again, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw if you know me, if you're close to me, I speak words from the Bible because they're better words than I could ever come up with, and they're powerful words, and I speak it in faith. And I'm adding this one to it. God, I'm going to pray it. Open their eyes that they may see. Open their eyes that they may see. I'm already praying. Lord, open the eyes that they may see, Jesus. They, they don't see quite exactly what's holding them back and, and, and the, the pit of despair they find themselves in. But God, open their eyes to the power of your spirit. Open their eyes, Lord, to the faith, Jesus, to their liberation. Open their eyes to you, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So with that, the story's awesome. If I had more time, we would continue on. But my last block of scripture we'll look at, speaking of the will of God, because the Bible does speak of what the will of God is. And so let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a little bit in chapter 4 and a tiny bit more in chapter 5. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1 through 4. Oh, we have such an incredible gift right in our hands. The gift of life. Mm. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, so, so you're already walking the right walk, you're already born of water and the Spirit. You're already walking in sanctification. Ye ought to walk and to please God so ye would abound more and more. Now, I'm going to remind us that the Syrians had a plan of attack. And God knew of the plan of attack. And we're being, in Scripture, encouraged to increase more and more. Don't raise your hand. But does anyone here feel like they've arrived? <laughs> does anyone here feel like you've reached that pinnacle of all that you ever could be in the Lord's army? <sighs> I will not raise my hands, and I am sure... We need to increase. I think we can look out in the world and see very, very easily that the ways of the world are increasing. The, 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 the grip and the grasp of the world is increasing. The slippery slopes are increasing. The opportunities are increasing 
for the world. Never has it been right at our fingertips to be able to sin behind closed doors so freely. If anything, we need to be increasing in Jesus. And that's what the scripture is saying. For ye know what commands we gave you by the Lord Jesus. And here you are in verse 3. For this is the will of God. The first of two times we're going to see it. This is the will of God. What does not change is that you would continue in your sanctification. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Sanctification and honor. We've heard it before. There's placement sanctification and progressive sanctification. Yes, God brought us out of something and into something. He placed us and sanctified us. But he's wanting us to continue to increase and to continue to be sanctified. Yes, this is holy living and all that. I don't even need to go there. I just need to encourage you tonight. Don't stay where you're at. Don't buy into a lie or a facade that you've achieved all that you could and now you're just holding the fort and waiting for Jesus to come back. No, you're still breathing. Don't waste your time. It's so precious. Grab a hold of someone. Speak into someone's life. Continue to fight for this. Oh God, stir us today. Stir us today, Jesus. Fan us in the flame, Jesus. This is God's will that you should know how to possess this vessel in sanctification and honor. And I would say the more brutal that sin gets, the more sanctified and honorable we need to be. And the more we just need to keep increasing. Amen. Verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but on the holiness. Verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. It may very well be talking about in the natural realm, just, you know, doing your thing and being holy and all that stuff and a good example. But come on, God, open our eyes up tonight. There's something more than just what we're seeing as the army uh, at the hillside. There's, there's a whole nother army and a whole nother part of this, a spiritual side. God, open our eyes. And when I read it from that point of view, it's telling all of us, Ah, don't get relaxed. Don't get settled down. Take a, take a phrase out, take a statement out of my book. I'm just starting to catch wind. I'm just starting to catch stride. And I'm not even up to speed yet. I'm just getting started. No matter how old you are, how long you've been here, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. And we're just getting started. Oh, Jesus, that ye study to be quiet. I'm not going to get too hard on the quiet, but maybe we just need to zip our lip about a few things that we see in the natural and quietly study and trust God. Quietly study and apply his principles and his word. Quietly study and start to do something for the kingdom. Amen. 
to do your own business and to work with your hands. With your hands, with my hands, you have a tremendous gift that God has given you. And you, oh Jesus, there's not a one of us in here that isn't completely capable of speaking into someone's life. Mentoring someone. Amen. As we have commanded you. Verse 16, no, we don't need to go there. Chapter 5. The landing gear is coming down. So once again, God doesn't choose sides. You and I, we choose. Let's choose the side of faith and God's will. Discipleship. I ask you this question. When you're gone, what are you leaving behind you? What are you leaving behind you? If Elijah hadn't listened to God and snatched up Elijah, what would Elijah have left behind him? It wouldn't have been a double portion. What are you going to leave behind me? What am I going to leave behind me? And God's will. What God's will is that we continue in sanctification. Chapter 5 and verse 13. Now we'll start with 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. In Jesus' name, I hope this is edifying. Let this be edifying today. This is the word of God. We can apply the word of God. We can practice the word of God. We can play the role, right? We can run that race. We can engage in the battle. That's at least four sermons. <laughs> Verse 12, and, I, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you. And I, let me just stop right there. And let's back up by going forward and then we'll come back. Verse 18 is where we, where we see it. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. But this is kind of right in the middle of, of, of not so much the chapter, but of the thought. The thought starts way back here at 11. And so I propose that this is what the will of God is for all of us. To know them which labor among us and are over us in the Lord. Thank God we have an Elijah and an Elisha or an Elisha in our life, right? Thank God that God has set a man of God in place. That's God's will. That is God's will. Amen? Know those. Verse 13, and to esteem them. It's the will of God that we esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among ourselves. And maybe at that moment we've got to go back to that quiet verse and study more diligently. What's God's pattern? Who do I trust? It's you, God, and your patterns. Esteem them very highly for love's sake and be at peace among each other. Now we exhort you, brethren. Remember, this is the will of God. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. And what I love about this is this flows with my go-to minister passage of Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm not going to preach about it. You can go read about it. And yes, it's a rebuke, but right in there you see what the man of God, and I even dare say the godly man and the godly woman ought to do. 
and it flows right with it. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. This is those we're reaching for and those we're, we're leading. It's, it's those that need someone to love them, to encourage them, to lead them, to mentor them, to disciple them. Be patient towards all men. It is the will of God that, that we should not render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among ourselves and to all, all men. Rejoice evermore. It's God's will that we pray without ceasing. <laughs> pray without ceasing. What is the will of God? That we would pray without ceasing. So you realize when you're praying, you're in God's will. Even if you don't feel God's will anywhere else and everything's a mess and upside down, go to prayer. In that moment, whether you feel it or not, you are in God's will. You are doing the right thing. And it is powerful. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophecies uh, or prophesying, however you say it. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And let me just back up for a second to prove all things. Absolutely, there is a need for us to be growing in this spiritual realm of faith, discernment, you do realize at the end of the day, your salvation is in your hands. Matter of fact, I'm pretty certain if we go back to the book of Acts, we see very early on that it says save yourself. We play a role in this. What you do with it. Yes, it's God's grace. Yes, it's, it's God's redemptive blood. Yes, absolutely. But it takes a choice and a decision on our part. We do play a role. And that's just getting started. I would say we need to develop to the point where we can see the army of chariots, the army of the Lord. If we're ever going to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong in this realm. And yes, thank God, he sets pastors and evangelists and prophets and all that in place absolutely but we need to know the truth if there's ever been a time you need to know the truth and I need to know the truth we need to study diligent diligently and we need to know this we need to be aware in the spiritual why because it's more than just a person sitting next to us that we're leading and that we're instructing and that we're teaching and if, if you and I can only ever see the army of the Syrians, they're only ever going to see the army of the Syrians. That's not God's intent. Well, I got a pastor. My pastor, <sighs> Brother Cordell, is younger, faster, more energetic, got more time than Pastor Kylie. But together, they couldn't do all the work for all of us. And God didn't intend for it to be that way. No. God put this gift in your hands and my hands, and he put the responsibility in your hands and my hands. 
prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. There's a reason why this is at the end again. The will of God has been mentioned twice now in the last, the, the last two chapters. And so what starts in sanctification continues in sanctification. And guess what? When we're, when we're in God's will doing these things, which is the will of God for all of us, it will complete that sanctification process. When God and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, let me reread that, your whole spirit, your whole body, your whole soul be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see, at the beginning of this, we were encouraged to, to increase in it and fulfilling or lining up with what is the will of God for us. It will continue that process. And then it finishes with, faithful is he that calleth you. Who also will do it. Stand with me. I've done my best to bring the word of God. These are his principles. These are God's principles. God's not going to choose your side. We got to choose to line up with God. Discipleship is so key. It's so key. And you can do it. (laughs) If you've done it before, you can do it again. If you haven't done it, once you do, there ain't nothing like it. It's life. It's life multiplying. God's will. God's will is that you would speak into someone's life and that you continue to increase. And the two will go hand in hand, I promise you. In Jesus' name. Lord, at this moment, at this time, let me just speak to you from my heart for a second. Because it is my heart. feel as though life can be as just a ripple (laughs) in time it's come and gone so fast I've blinked once or twice life's halfway over one or two more times God thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast we pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and we'll continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.